Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Oilers were composed, they're poised, and we're having a discussion with their listeners. What is the most significant reason why Edmonton's completely changed their season around? Uh, Elliot has talked about the health, specifically of Connor McDavid and Matthias Eckholm. I would include Ryan McLeod in that. Uh, some have said, well, it's the coaching change. Some have said it's Stuart Skinner. And some have said, uh, hey, it's the emergence of some support scoring like McLeod and Warren Fogle. What say you, John? I think it's... Uh the calmness of this team and I think it's reflected in the coaching staff in Knobloch and Coffee particularly uh, there's no adversity that they can face now that challenges them and they know that the most important score is the one at the end of the game not the one at the end of the second period um, nothing really daunts this group of guys and I think that that's, that's really important what you're seeing is and Bob you see this more than I do but you're seeing a team that if it's down a goal or down two or not playing well, there's not one ounce of panic. Yeah. You know, prior to the 15th of November, last night's game would have resulted in a loss because the team would have become whirling dervishes, would have tried to do everything themselves rather than maintaining the team game. Now they understand the team game more so, and they're playing it really well together. John, I uh, I want to ask you, I'm going to move here to a different topic. Um, today, Salt Lake made it pretty obvious what they want to do in joining the National Hockey League. Does it have to be an expansion franchise, or could it be a relocation potentially with Arizona? I think it could be either, Bob. Uh, you know, Ryan Smith, uh, who is a, uh, a hedge fund guy out of Portland, Oregon, that owns... Every professional sports team in Salt Lake City is a diehard hockey fan. Uh, they have an arena in Salt Lake right now that would hold around 14,000 people. They have a front office of a professional sports team in the Jazz that could run season tickets, could do all the corporate sponsorship, could do the public relations. Uh, so really the only thing you would need to be hired is a hockey operations group if you did an expansion team or if you transferred a team from, say, Arizona, it would be an easy fix. Comparable, Bob, in many ways to what we saw from Atlanta to Winnipeg when we went from the Thrashers to the Moose and to the Jets. Uh, how much of an appetite's out there from the National Hockey League to go above 32 NHL teams? Well, I, 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 think, there's an, I think that there's... Curiosity. I don't know about appetite, but I think there's curiosity. You know, here's the thing. Um, the owners still are hit, hurt a little bit, not as much as we thought, a little bit from what went through in COVID. Because remember, during COVID, the players got paid their whole salaries. Uh, and the owners were promised that they would get back to net zero by the end of the collective bargaining agreement in 2026. So there's still a couple of years where the owners are, you know, paying a little bit more before everything gets back to status quo. The thing about expansion teams, which if you do the math, um, you know, Vegas was 500, Seattle was 650, the Senators sold for not over nine. You know, we're talking a billion dollars. And if you put two teams in, that's $2 billion that 
31 teams would split because Seattle wouldn't get a portion. Um, and that would not have to be shared with the players. So I, I, I don't think that there's a plan in place to have expansion, but I think some, there is always curiosity at the league office about expansion. We're joined by NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, Legacy Heating and Cooling. John, give me a thought on Lou Lamarillo hiring Patrick Waugh. <laughs> well, um, I, I think there was two things. First of all, I, I do think that he thought uh, the Islanders were playing too passive. He wanted a, a coach that was more aggressive. And once Lou decides on a single person, Lou goes after that person. Uh, I know the stories that Lou were, Lou basically sought out one guy, Patrick Waugh, uh, and signed him to the, to the deal. Patrick took a long time to get back into the NHL because I truly believe that a lot of people in the hockey world thought he was uncontrollable. Well, the one person that can control his coach is Lou Lamorello. The rules and regulations are in place from day one. Um, Lou runs a really, really straightforward uh, ship. There's always process. There's always discussion. It's not that he's dictatorial, but, you know, there are parameters that Lou works with. And, and so this is one where if Patrick Waugh is the best coach or was the best coach outside of the NHL, then Lou thought he better get a chance at him before a team like Ottawa, who is going to be looking for a new head coach. Who, who is who's the West. best? Who's the best bet for? Like, could you see Jay Woodcroft potentially being in the mix in Ottawa? Well, I think you have to put Jay's name on any list for the summertime. Yeah, I do. I, I think when you look at what his record was here, Bob, uh, he had a lot of success, and 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 I I truly believe that. You're, you're probably going to be a better coach with your second job because you learn from your mistakes. You learn from, um, I, I don't want to say the word failure, but you, 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 you learn from being dismissed. And so I do think that Jay Woodcroft will get another chance, and I think he has to be on a lot of lists in the summertime because I don't think there'll just be one job open in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. John, great stuff. Thanks for uh, making time for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Bring some juice tomorrow on that panel, okay? Needs. Yeah, I know. You were a little drab. I had to carry you last night. Well, let's uh, get used to it. Yeah. Thanks, John. Cheers. Cheers. 644 in Edmonton. Back with Reed Wilkins and Brendan Escott. We're returning orders now. We have Reed Wilkins in studios. He hosts Inside Sports and... Uh, the Oilers pre and post game show. So uh, the face off show and overtime open line. Brendan Escott is here well uh, as well. We'll get to the state owner's history in a second. Reed, how are you doing? Doing quite well, Bob. How are you? Not bad. Well, they won 14 straight. I'm doing it's- it. Could be the only good thing in your life, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, for argument's sake. You're probably not too far off there. <laughs> I, I will tell you, as you're doing the post-game show, and yes. Cam Moon and myself and a couple others are at uh, Pub 1905 or the wine room having a glass of Chardonnay, yep. that's another good thing in my life after every No, you uh, didn't hear the post. I should have saved the audio from the post-game show. What happened? We had a caller who was quite unhappy with you. Now what did I do? Uh, he said that you were too negative during the game. That you were too despondent about how the team was playing. No, I predicted how the team was going to play. And uh, I, I told him, 
I said, well, first of all, as broadcasters, it's our job to tell you what we are seeing, even if you don't want to hear yes. it. And he goes, no, no. But he said, then he at first he didn't identify you. He said the color commentator. Okay. And then he said broadcasters. So I said, well, hold on. I said, if we, we uh, I, I got to tell you what I see. Uh, the team has been playing well, yada yada, and he's no, 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 that Bob guy, that Bob guy. So I said, look, I said I, I don't speak for Bob. Yeah. He has a he has a he, talk show, and he's entitled and can, to, and you can call him if you yeah. want to complain to Except him. Except I don't take calls. He didn't call you. Yeah. You take calls sometimes, don't you? When's the last time we took calls? It's, it's been a while. Okay. And for the record, well, he, well, he did probably not didn't call. try to call. He did not call today. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know what? I understand that because I was. Oh, the worst part is when I can predict it before the game exactly what's going to happen. But we're at the stage now where you just kind of, like, Reed, do we just roll with it? Because we're like, oh, well, whatever. If they have a crappy first period, they're okay. They're fine. I think we have to. And yeah. it was interesting watching that game because I, I, I will tell you this. When it was tied after the second period, I thought they were going to win. I, yeah. I thought if it would have got to 2-1 Columbus, I wouldn't have felt so good. Yeah. But when it went to the third, I thought they're probably going to settle it down and win. So, yes, full well we know that, that they didn't play to their standard, which is something I've been praising them for, that they play almost the same way all the time. They, they didn't last night. They've had some off games They've had here some in the last five games, or six. But they figured it out, and I, I, I was trying, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you got to be, tell, say what we saw, but you don't want to critique victory too much, and I was thinking, you know, if they'd lost three, four, five in a row and they win last night, you're saying, who cares how yeah. they played? They needed to win and they won it. What do you figure? Yeah, I, I first of all, I was quite surprised by what the caller had to say. I was picking my jaw up out of my lap when I was driving home, like holy smokes! Uh, but in reality, yeah, I, I don't think that I you understand. Can, I understand it. They played terrible for the first two periods of that game. I think that we could acknowledge that objectively, right? But the thing is, is that's not sinking them like it has right. in basically every so, other iteration of the team. So, did you run Knobloch after the game? Because I asked the first, of course. Two, the first two questions. Yes, we had uh, we had them live. Yeah. And uh, and so you know, because I wanted him to say we weren't we weren't any good through the first two periods because I don't want him to BS and lie anybody. But it also speaks to what they're capable of doing as the game wears on. And then so here's where I'm going to get you both your thoughts on this, and we'll start with you, Reed. His in-game adjustments for the third period, changing the lines around. It's the first time he's yep. kind of done it. Yep. In you know during this stretch, what you think? Well, I mean, since it worked, I, I got to say it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, I, and I wondered if and when he, he did it for like an entire period, not just after a PK or right. an injury, would he put McDavid and Dreisaitl together or would he shuffle their wingers? And he did put them together. But what's interesting was the other lines were just as good, I thought, yeah. in the in the third period. Holloway and McLeod looked good together. Holloway's and- played really well. And Holloway played less ice time than he did Saturday yeah. in Calgary. Rob and I both said after the game that we thought he was out there like 14 or 15 minutes. So so good for him. Um, you know, we, we sometimes I feel we talk a little bit too much about the line combinations because most teams and coaches do shuffle them. You just kind of only notice it when it's the team you're watching that right. does it. But I think we saw that Woodcroft and sometimes Tippett and maybe even going back to Todd, they started to do it earlier and earlier in games if they felt it wasn't going well. Now, and, maybe Chris will wind up doing panic? that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's a sign of uh, maybe it's a sign of a lack of faith in some of your depth guys to get it going. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
Your thoughts on changing lines? I can lines. piggyback on that because I think these depth guys now are they have roles that they are in complete ownership of, and it's really helping several players. But you look at the okay, so last night may have been the first genuine example of a line shuffle, but we've seen Knobloch also deploy Zach Hyman out there with McDavid and Drysidle. That results in a goal. We've seen McLeod get deployed with McDavid and Drysidle. That results in leaf. a late game winner. So we're starting starting to see a bit of a pattern here of not just the adjustment for the sake of adjustment, but the right adjustment at the right time of the game. Cactus Jack, Texas. Bob, I listened to you last night. You aren't a cheerleader. Well, someone accused me of being that. Uh, Your expectation level mirrors that of the players, the coaches, and the owner. It's okay to have standards. Don't change anything. I was a little (laughs) negative. I was, but part of it was I knew it was coming. And maybe there was some communication to kind of try to head it off. So, all right, let's go. First, we'll do this day in Oilers history, and then we'll bring in Reed Wilkins for, oh, sweet. for what he's got. Can we make it a trivia question so I can play? Okay. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> this, day, this day in Oilers history for New West Travel, join an exclusive four-night road trip to Dallas to see the Oilers play the Stars in April. Reach out to newwesttravel.com. What do you got? Reed, you have two options to get this right. What current Oilers scored the game winner three minutes into overtime in 2013 at Rexall Place as the That's Oilers easy. beat Los Angeles 2-1? to one. Just the third game of the lockout-shortened season, Ladislav Smeed managed to accrue 21 penalty minutes in a dust-up, like one dust-up with Jordan Nolan in the opening frame. So, but who scored the game winner in overtime? There's two guys left on the team from that mm-hmm. team that year. Gagne? Gagne? It was Sam Gagne. There you go. That's correct. That was not the game Yakupov tied, no, was it, with I, the slide? No, no. Because didn't the, yeah, didn't the slide get overturned or something? I'm trying to work. No, the slide stood. Okay, maybe that was the he, game. He yeah. did have a goal in that game. Oh, so that is, was that his well rookie season? Like, like 1958 it, it, it or something? It may well have been. Okay. Was that his rookie season? <laughs> okay, yes, 10-11. Yes. yes, it was his rookie Paul was in... Yakupov was in 2012-13, so they didn't play. He played that the, might have been... He, that might have been the goal. That might have been the slide game. Yeah, which oh, they boy. made fun of in L.A. for about the next five years as L.A. was winning cups. Reed, what do you got in Inside Sports tonight? Kelly Rudy. Okay. Banter about the Oilers, about Salt Lake City and Utah. Keep you updated on the NHL games tonight. Just kind of see where we go, Bob. Tomorrow we have a preview of the Oilers and the Blackhawks. Ron McLean from NHL Hockey and Rogers will join us for Century Casino Edmonton. So, too, for GCL Diesel will be Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrasque. Again, Reed Wilkins is up next with Inside Sports after a global news weather traffic update with James Dunn. So long, everybody.